Sutra number 25 from chapter 3 reads, Knowledge of the universe, which is expressed here through the word Bhuvanas, the Bhuvanas are, is actually a word which symbolizes the different so-called worlds or spheres of existence, both subtle and physical, like the astral world is a Bhuvana and there are many other astral Bhuvanas and so on. The knowledge of the universe in general, which means the knowledge of the cosmic spheres, is gained by performing Samyama on the sun. Here comes a Samyama which is much more easy to understand. Samyama on the sun. That simply says you perform Trataka on the sun, you perform Shambhavi Mudra with the sun, and you concentrate and meditate till the point where you reach Samyama. Samyama with the sun. Patanjali claims that Samyama with the sun, Samyama upon the sun if you prefer, is generating the knowledge of the universe or more precisely the knowledge of the Bhuvanas, of the cosmic spheres. I would like to remind that in the tantric understanding the Bhuvanas are the cosmic spheres, especially the intermediary ones, exactly as in the theory for the great cosmic power Bhuvaneshwari. Bhuvaneshwari is the mistress of the spheres, she is the mistress of the Bhuvanas, the queen of the Bhuvanas. And this is translated usually as things belonging to the astral world and mental world, the subtle worlds, the intermediary worlds. Funny enough, Bhuvaneshwari in uh, Indian astrology is also related to the sun. The most classical image of Bhuvaneshwari is that she resembles to the morning sun, to the shining morning sun. And therefore here things are fitting and they are coming together. R doing Samyama upon the sun, we actually are reaching at the Samyama, which puts us in touch with the level of consciousness of Bhuvaneshwari, and therefore it gives us knowledge about the subtle spheres. Funny enough, here Patanjali speaks uh, or this is translated usually as knowledge of the universe, but it actually means knowledge of the superior universes, knowledge of the Bhuvanas. So we could rather say that through Samyama upon the sun, one is acquiring knowledge of the subtle universes. Now it is true that sometimes the Bhuvanas are considered even the physical worlds. In the Kashmir Shaiva tradition, Bhuvanas are actually a series of worlds which are stretching from the earth to the divine worlds, and that is why Bhuvanas can be interpreted as well in this way. It is very important to look at this because actually in the next sutra, Patanjali will refer to Samyama on the moon. And Samyama on the sun and Samyama on the moon, besides the astronomical connection with the sun and the moon, have other connotations. The sun is the solar aspect, the moon is the lunar aspect, and in the Vedic understanding about the structure of the universe, the sun is the level superior to the earth, and the moon is the level inferior to the earth. This theory, which has been... Uh, set forth by Helena Petrovna Blavatsky in the Secret Doctrine as one of the basic theosophical revelations a hundred years ago, is that the universe is created from, from in a holographic structure in a similar way, but like in a multiple reflection in a vortex-like way. That means at every level there is like a world. The highest world that we can see is the galaxy. The Milky Way looks like a world, actually. It's like a spiral. Therefore, there we have a higher world, which contains our sun as a satellite, and in the middle of the galaxy there is an incomprehensible reality, which is like the central sun of the galaxy, only that the modern scientists on Earth 
have not managed to identify yet what exactly is in the center of the galaxy. Then, if you go one step lower from the galaxy, you find the solar system, which is also like a world with the sun in the middle of this world and the planets whirling around. And that's like a satellite of the big world, which is the galaxy. And in the, inside the solar system, you find on each planet the other level, the next level, which is lower than the sun and the solar system, which is the level of the planet, like the Earth is surrounded by the moon, which whirls, the Earth and the moon create a whirling system also. So here it's like the sun is to the moon, I'm sorry, the Earth is to the moon, what the sun is to the Earth. It's like the same thing, but move one level lower. And then lower than the Earth is the satellite of the Earth, the moon itself. If the moon would have a satellite, uh, a moon of the moon, then we would be speaking about another level, but such level is not known at present. Basically this shows, and this was the vision of Gurdjieff as well in his cosmologic system, that the Earth is placed at the last but one level of creation which would correspond somehow to the fact that actually the Earth is a Svadhisthana type of planet, like the second chakra. And lower than that is the Moon. Those of you who have attended with this school a workshop about the art of dying, you remember that the Hindus described the directions of evolution after death as the solar path or Devayana, going to the Devas, towards the Sun, which means moving to the higher hierarchical level, or Pitriyana, the path of the Moon, going with the ancestors in the dark world of the Moon. As the Bible says, I have been in the underworld, in the cities of the dead, I have been in the pit of darkness, of the death, and so on. Pitriyana going down. So it's exactly as you would be at some level, organizational level, and you can be sent to a branch, or you can be sent to the headquarters to do some work. Therefore, it's like we are on the earth in between. It will be like the lower level symbolized by the moon astronomically will be like even lower, that would correspond to Mulakhara, and the higher level related to the sun would be like corresponding to Manipura, and then the galaxy which is above the sun would correspond to Anahata, and that's exactly what we teach in yoga. At least part of it is exactly what we teach in yoga, in the yogic practice. This story with the moon can be confusing because many of you will take it literally and you will say, wait, 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 you said that the moon resonates on Svadhisthana. Yes, the moon, like the full moon, like the energy specific to the moon is on Svadhisthana, but here we are not talking as celestial bodies. We are talking as levels of organization of the universe, as hierarchical levels. So we have at the high level the galaxy with its center, at the inferior level the sun with the sun as its center, at the lower level the earth with the earth as the center of the world, and finally the moon with the moon being its own center, and the last link in this chain. And therefore, actually making some yama on the sun and on the moon means actually going towards the higher organizational level of the universe and going to the lower, lower organizational level of the universe. Making some yama on the moon, as you are going to see, is going to make me aware more of the physical aspects of this universe, while making some yama on the sun is going to make me aware more on the, of the subtle aspects of this universe. That is why I believe that the proper understanding of the word bhuvana here is not exactly like in the Kashmir Shaivism where bhuvana means just whatever world in the universe, but it is more like in classical yoga and in tantric yoga, like in the concept which is defined in tantra with the cosmic power bhuvaneshvari, where bhuvaneshvari being the ishvari of the bhuvanas, the mistress, the queen of the bhuvanas, she is actually the queen of the intermediary world, which means in our classical yoga understanding of the world's number three, 
and fall, which we call Manomaya Kosha and Vigana Maya Kosha. And therefore, the understanding of this marvelous sutra is, if you want to understand the astral and mental world, you should perform Samyama on the sun. This has not only the effect of Manipura Chakra, but it has the effect of rising your consciousness to an organizational level from where the higher Bhuvanas, astral and mental, are coordinated. This also tells to us that actually the force which keeps under control the astral world and the mental world, the Manomaya Kosha and the Yanamaya Kosha, is rather centered at the level of the sun. It corresponds to the level of the sun in the solar system. And it also tells us that if you want to go above Manomaya Kosha and Vijnanamaya Kosha, you have to go above the sun. You have to go at the level of the galaxy then. And therefore, these are all very important connections. Here we are dealing with a true tantric science, with a true metaphysical science of understanding the levels of the universe. You see, the sutra is very brief. It says, if you perform samyama on the sun, you will understand the universe. But this means the bhuvanas, the subtle worlds. It means basically the astral and mental worlds. This is very, very important, and it shows you why people who have a resonance to the sun, such as, for example, people born in the astrological sign of the lion, or people who have a resonance of, with the sun because of their activation of Manipura Chakra, automatically have more easily access to the Manomaya Kosha and Vijnanamaya Kosha, and they perform, among others, astral projection more easily which is a classic observation in yoga as well. And therefore, remember, you can perform the Samyama with the sun. Recently, some people talked and brought news about this yogi from south of India who performs Trataka on the sun for hours sometimes, or used to actually, and because of this he was even reaching partly a condition in which he didn't need to eat physical food and almost no need to drink liquid and so on. Basically, remember that this is a Samyama with the sun. If you do Trataka upon the sun for one hour, that's not just Trataka. You can't do just Trataka. When you do Trataka and concentrate upon the sun for one hour or more, that becomes Samyama. It's much more than just Trataka, because it's concentration, meditation, and even a blissful state of fusion or contemplation, whichever way you want to put it, which are merged together in one unit. And therefore, Trataka on the sun is a typical example, and therefore this shows that Trataka on the sun can develop the perception of the astral and mental world, it can give astral and mental clairvoyance, astral and mental projection. I want to remind you, however, that Trataka on the sun is not without dangers, and it is a practice which has to be approached very cautiously and very gradually, especially when your Manipura is pathetic. That is why <coughs> don't just jump into Trataka on the sun directly. It has to be done step by step as we teach you. <coughs> in the yoga classes concerning Trataka, but nevertheless you should also remember that Trataka can be an internal Trataka, so you don't need to really open your eyes, and Trataka is related at this level with Shambhavi Mudra, because Shambhavi Mudra is also a sort of Trataka on an inner image, ultimately, on a visualized image. And that is why all these things relate together, you will remember that during some yoga techniques such as the Chanchari Mudra, you are also told that you can do Trataka by visualizing the sun, the light of the sun, like in the area of the forehead, in the area of the third eye. All these things are connections that are supposed to inspire you, and the truth remains simple and straightforward. By performing Trataka upon the sun, one gets knowledge of the Bhuvanas, this knowledge can be acquired only through the fact that you actually 
see them, feel them, understand them, travel through them, because there is no other way to acquire them. So in this way you have obtained through this sutra a wonderful technique for producing a paranormal effect, perform samyama upon the sun, until, of course, the results appear, and then you are going to have your understanding moving that way, the solar path, the Devayana. Somebody can also ask, will this help me that in the moment of my death I should go the path of the sun upwards, that I should go on Devayana? Yes, actually yes, even that consequence, even that conclusion is logical. Having some yama with the sun and having a clear perception of the bhuvanas, of the higher bhuvanas and of the level of the sun, will also give you a sort of resonance, like after death going towards Shambhala, Hiranya Loka, Deva Loka, and all kinds of other high worlds. Of course, this is related with all kinds of karmic implications, because it's not enough just, just that you know how to do some yama with the sun, you are supposed also to be able to do it in the moment of death, uh, but if you die in horrible, terrible conditions, as well as in a state of ignorance and incapacity, then in spite of your training, you still might not be able to apply all the things which you have learned or acquired. So this has to be taken with a pinch of salt, but yet, basically, the statement remains. This sutra is giving us wonderful connections about these astral worlds governed by the sun, these intermediary worlds, Manomaya and Vijnanamaya, Kosha, and all the results from this. Moreover, Vyasa's commentary to this sutra, if you wish to read Vyasa's commentaries to the Yoga Sutra, contains, because of this, a mine of information about the subtle structure of the universe, Vyasa describes, takes advantage, Ben takes the opportunity because of this sutra and starts describing all the lokas and all the parallel worlds, how is the universe structured with seven lokas corresponding to the seven chakras and seven infernal lokas which are underworlds or hells corresponding to the distorted activity of energy and so on and so forth. It's not that he is very explicit, but at least he is very elaborate, giving, bringing up a lot of pages of details about cosmology and cosmology basically of a Vedic type, of a yogic type and others. However, again and again, when we turn back to this sutra, the conclusion is very straightforward. Samyama performed upon the sun gives knowledge of Manomaya and Vijnanamaya, Kosha. That is the essence. And the next sutra is, as I warned you already, the completion. It says, by performing Samyama on the moon, knowledge about the positions of the stars and their influence is gained. This is nothing else but astronomy, astrology. There is another statement about the stars, but made in another way. And therefore, actually here people can get confused. This one about the moon refers to the lower organizational level, which basically refers to the physicality of it. So it's exactly like he says, by performing samyama on the moon, you are going to understand the heavenly mechanics, like in the mechanics of Kepler, like the, in the astronomical calculations of Johannes Kepler. And basically he says, by performing Samyama on the moon, you are going to understand the astronomic mechanical universe. Therefore, you are going to understand also the movement, the position of the astronomical object. But he also adds, or it is involved here, you are also going to understand something about their influence. I have to say, this story with the influence is a collateral statement. Because actually, if you would understand fully the influence of the stars and the planet, you would understand astrology. And with this you would understand the astral body. Because astrology refers at many things about people's emotions and personality and mind. And astrology actually even touches things concerning the causal body because it actually refers to destiny 
the synchronicities. A good astrologer could theoretically calculate the moment of your death by mechanical uh, predictions and therefore the probable moment of your death, I should have said. And therefore, actually astrology is more than just the astronomical understanding because it has reflections and implications which address also to the etheric, astral, mental and causal bodies. Here, Patanjali actually wants to refer more to the physical aspect, to the physical understanding of astronomy. Because actually, before you start doing astrology and other things, you should understand astronomy. Today, because of the New Age superficiality and because of some trends, as well as because of the computer world which makes these things possible, there are many modern astrologers who don't have a clue about astronomy. Unfortunately, that's a bit of a... Uh, incomplete knowledge. You see, Patanjali starts actually by speaking about the physical knowledge. Like first, you should understand the heavenly mechanics. First, you should understand how these bodies move. What is their interrelationship? You should understand astronomy. The old days astrologers, like Ptolemies, the Greek astrologer, or Nostradamus, or any other Middle Age astrologer, and others, as well as Indian astrologers, of course, they were first of all great astronomers. They could understand the tables of ephemeris. They understood the movements of the planets, of the moon, of the stars, and other such things. Of course, each one of them in their own particular system. And this is what comes with the moon. So basically, Patanjali says, by making some yama on the moon, you are going to get a kind of grounding in the understanding of the stars, planets, satellites, and other things. Basically, you can become a good astronomer. It is funny that even on Earth, astronomy, as well as the first uh, attempts of space travel and others, started from the obsession of the human beings with the moon. The first person who built a telescope, either it was Galileo or Huygens or whoever it was, they pointed their telescope to the moon. Everybody was obsessed to the moon because the moon you could see. This is actually a part Samyama on the moon, this obsession with the moon, that we research the moon, we focus on the moon, and then suddenly it's like the whole astronomic understanding becomes open to us. It is a very subtle connection which shows that indeed there is a key at that level. Remember that from the standpoint of this Vedic hierarchical structure of the universe as well as the Gurdjieff system of understanding the universe, the moon is like a rock bottom. You cannot go lower than that because as far as we know there are no satellites of the satellites. The moons, none of the moons of the planets and this solar in this solar system has moons of the moons. At least we don't know of that. And therefore, it's like that is the lowest level, and therefore that is like the ground for understanding the planets. Again, I personally do not uh, see too much here that you understand the position of the stars, the movements, of course, as well as their influence. I think the thing with their influence is more semi-implied, and it is not uh, directly and intensely implied in this sutra. That is why, remember, for a good understanding of astronomy, as we call it today, make some yama on the moon. Some yama on the moon gives this possibility. Now, the sutra number 27, this one is the one which gives us the other level. And here is where people would say, well, what's the difference between 26 and 27? See how Patanjali now discreetly changes the reference point. He says, by performing Samyama on the pole star, knowledge of the movement of the stars can be obtained. The pole star is outside of our galaxy, first of all. What we call pole star today is not part of our galaxy. It's even out of that. Actually, when we speak about the pole star, we are actually speaking about something which is definitely outside of the 
solar system. And that is why when we say the pole star, we refer to something higher than the sun. So suddenly we are at level number four. This is neither the earth nor the moon under it, nor the sun above it, but the pole star which is at the higher level yet. And therefore here Patanjali is giving the third level. That's why it's very clear that when he said Samyama on the moon, he meant the physical level only. And again, he says by performing Samyama on the pole star, knowledge of the movement of the stars can be obtained and therefore their future influence is also inferred here. This is basically a reference to the star systems and it is a reference to a level which is even higher than Manomaya and Vigyanamaya Kosha, therefore Anandamaya Kosha and the study of future. This is the predictive astrology, the study of synchronicities. It is a very well-known fact that while the Indian and Western astrology, the Vedic and Western astrology, have common points and they had a period of joining, especially around the time of Alexander the Great when inter-exchanges, spiritual and others, between East and West took place, and then the art of the West was influenced by the art of the East, and vice versa, the metaphysics of the West was influenced by the metaphysics of the East, and so on. The astrology of the East and of the West had a common point, because there was a fruitful exchange of information. But then after, the astrology of the West and the astrology of the East have taken different paths. I don't know how much you know about astronomy and astrology, but the Western astrological system uses a system of so-called zodiac or astrological signs which is based on a referential which is coordinated or actually governed by our solar system. We, in the Western astrology, we always say that the sun enters the first astrological sign, which is the sign of the Aries, on the 21st of March, which means at the spring equinox. Always, always, the Aries, the first astrological sign, starts with the spring equinox. The spring equinox means zero degrees in Aries. It means the beginning of the Aries. Therefore, we, when we say this is Aries, this is Taurus, this is Gemini, this is this and this is that, we are referring to points on the sky which are not related to the stars. They are related to an imaginary position which is related to actually the vernal point, the equinoctial point. So from there we count 30 degrees Aries, 30 degrees Taurus, 30 degrees Gemini, and it doesn't matter where it falls within the stars. It's like we almost don't look at what is beyond the solar system. Actually, in Western astrology, the influence of the stars which are beyond is only taken as the influence of the astrological signs and basta. The Indian system, the Vedic system, on the contrary, has focused on the stars. It, that's why today the astrological signs are shifted from Indian and Western astrology. When a Western astrologer says you are a Virgo, in Indian astrology you are actually a lion, because these, the difference between them is today almost 30 degrees. It's like 26 degrees, <coughs> 27 degrees difference between the two systems. And therefore, the Vedic Indian astrology has focused on the background, not on the solar system. This makes that the referential system of the Indian astrology is higher. And that is why Indian, and Ve uh, Indian Vedic astrology and Western astrology are mutually true. But they speak about different parts. For example, the Western astrology, because it is related to the solar system, it speaks about Manomayakosha and Vigyanamayakosha. That is why in terms of temperament, if you want to describe somebody's temperament, Western astrology is much better. Indian astrology fails miserably when it tries to define the temperament of a person. 
But when it comes to predictions, like when you are going to win the loto or when you are going to die, the Indian astrology is much better because it deals with a referential system which refers to up till Ananda Maya Kosha and therefore it refers to synchronicities and things outside of time. And here Patanjali lifts us from Manomaya Vigyana Maya Kosha to the Ananda Maya Kosha. Patanjali simply says if you perform Samyama on the pole star, you are going to go above Manomaya and Vigyana Maya Kosha and you are going to have a reference to the movements of the stars and their future influence. And this automatically means prediction, understanding of time and other similar things which are typical for the Vedic astrology especially. And that is another type of Samyama. The pole star, as you know, for the yogis of India and Tibet, had also a special spiritual value. The pole star was like the center. The sun is the center, and it is symbolized by the svastika, by the whirling cross. Everything whirls around the sun. And then the next center, above, like the next, the headquarters, the higher level of, of the organization, is the pole star because everything seems to whirl around the pole star. We don't know where the, the center of the galaxy is, or better said, yes, astronomically, we know where the center of our galaxy is. But actually, the only reference which we have for normal people, without uh, telescopes and satellites and others as they were in those days, is the pole star. When you look, the whole sky, at least in the northern hemisphere, all these people wrote their stuff in the northern hemisphere, and that's why it's a point of view of the northern hemisphere. I suppose that to a large extent the same thing can be applied to the southern cross, to the stars which mark the south pole in the southern hemisphere, but I have not tried it. Um, for them, the pole star was the pole. The whole sky and all the stars, all the constellations, they seem to spin around the pole star, which, the, uh, which is the only fixed point on the sky. It's like the, the center of heavens, the center of the sky is the pole star. And then the pole star automatically receives a symbolic value. And therefore, it's not really that the pole star in itself, but at the same time, yes, because if the pole star is the higher svastika, is the higher whirling point, it is the higher pole, then automatically it means that everything like hangs from the pole star, and the pole star becomes the center like of the galaxy, while of course it is not literally the center of our galaxy, but it is like a point of reference which symbolizes something even higher than the solar system and is limited referential. And therefore, meditating on the pole star is going above Manomaya Kosha, it is going to Vijnanamaya and actually Anandamaya Kosha as well. The clear distinction of where one stops and where the others uh, begins has not been made and is not very clear. That's why on purpose I leave it a little bit fuzzy because some elements from Indian astrology about the knowledge of these higher things is also partly belonging to Vijnana Mayakosha, the mental body. So it seems then that the world of the sun, the Bhuvanas, the Samyama on the sun, catches the astral body and a bit of the mental body and then there is a fuzzy zone a twilight zone, and the next level is catching something of Vijnana and Ananda Mayakosha. It is a very well-known thing, and this has been described by commentators, that generally by performing concentration of the mind onto the stars, takes one to Vijnana Mayakosha and Ananda Mayakosha. That is why, please remember, that to make concentration of the mind generally and Samyama on the stars is actually a quite high meditation. It's one of the real difficult meditations to perform Prataka on the stars and to be able to focus on that wonderfully. On the pole star in particular, because now you will understand, these stars, they constitute therefore like a language 
They are like a symbol. I look at the pole star and what comes to me from the pole star? The energy from the center of the galaxy, the next level, the next center, something even higher than the sun and the solar system. And therefore the pole star is like a symbol, is like if I want to interpret it energetically, from that part of the sky, there is flowing a beneficial energy. That's why in yoga they say, you should do yoga facing north. You should do yoga concentrating north. Because there is a beneficial energy coming from there. And it's not only the pole star. It's the whole area around the pole star. That is why one of the most sacred constellations is, of course, the Ursa minor, the constellation which contains the pole star in it, and which whirls together with it, and which is called by the Indians the seven rishis. The seven stars which make the Ursa minor, they are actually the seven rishis for them, and uh, there you also have the Pleiades, and there you have all kinds of things which are sacred in many ways. Therefore the point is that for me, the skies are like a sort of planetarium. It's exactly like I'm sitting here in a soap bubble and somebody has painted the stars on the soap bubble and I really don't know what is beyond that soap bubble because I haven't lived at that level. But I know that from this direction there comes something very good. It's like beyond it there is somebody with a wave cannon, with a radiation cannon which sends to me through the wall of my soap bubble good vibes, and I'm saying, I don't know why, but from the direction of the pole star there come good vibes, and from the direction of that star maybe not so good, and from the direction of that star something else. This is actually the mystery of it, and the mystery of these three sutras, which are very beautiful about the levels of the universe, and the understanding of the cosmology of the human being in related to the universe. Therefore, Samyama on the pole star and on stars generally makes us transcend with the only difference that different stars can have different energies and by performing Samyama with them I can encounter all kinds of energies, some of them which might not even be so good. Remember that in astrology there also are being defined influences, astrological influences which are evil or destructive. Therefore, not everything which comes is necessarily good, but at least this one thing we know for sure, that what comes from the pole star is divine, because that is like the level above the sun. That is a symbol of the organizational level which is above the sun, and which is actually corresponding to our galaxy, to the galactic level of organization. And therefore, this is a very beautiful Samyama. There are stars which are considered generally very beneficial. The mystics and the poets and the ancient astrologers divide, define some stars, looking at the stars and said this star is very beneficial, like Vega or others, and for this you still find influences or information about this in Hindu astrology. In Hindu astrology they still say this star is beneficial, this star is not so beneficial, and so on and so forth. And that is an illustration of this lost knowledge of a high knowledge, which is only partly understood and known today, which simply says that through the stars, where actually the stars are like a symbol, I think it was Ptolemy's or some pharaonic Egyptian text which said that the stars are the language under the feet of God, that God talks to us through the stars and therefore reading the stars is like reading some telegraph message from God, only if you can read it, because it's like this is a symbol from the universe, the stars are nothing else but like Morse code from the universe. They are a sort of symbolic representation of the universe. And therefore, besides the fact that physically they are celestial bodies, we know all about that in astronomy. I'm not denying that. I'm simply saying that from a higher level of consciousness, there also appears the simultaneous truth that through synchronicity, the stars, while being clusters of gas and all the rest of the things which you have learned in school, they also represent a symbolic 
connection, correlation to the human being. And the most secure way to focus on the stars, unless you study Hindu astrology and you understand very clearly which stars are considered beneficial and which not so much, is to concentrate on the pole star, which at least in the northern hemisphere is always available, provided we have a clear sky, because the pole star is the one which symbolizes the best possible spiritual energy, and it's like the center. And when you do Samyama with that center, it's like you are in the center of the galaxy, it's like you are in the center of the universe. This automatically brings you to a high level of consciousness. Samyama on the pole star will result in a much higher level of consciousness than Samyama on the sun. And that level of consciousness allows you the understanding of the movements of the stars through an internal knowledge, through Samyama. It's exactly like that, even intuitively, you can start feeling that this is good, this is good, this is bad, this is a weird synchronicity, this is so and this is so. You don't know why, but you feel it, you understand it. Therefore, Samyama on the pole star is a very difficult and esoteric and high and spiritual practice which goes really, really high and even reaches elements concerning Ajna and Sahasrara, Ajna Chakra and Sahasrara. Even Sahasrara is involved into that. This was the secret of the sutras concerning the three levels of the universe. Now, in sutra number 28, Patanjali changes the theme, but still is very available. Another beautiful one. Another feasible one, because you may have believed that some of the previous ones were so abstract and so difficult that who can do that? But lo, now you can do it. Any one of you can try to do Samyama on the sun. Every one of you can do Samyama on the moon or on the pole star. If you just give it time and energy, you can. These are, each and every one of these is a yoga technique. The only thing which it takes is perseverance and a lot of energy put into the Act. Sutra number 28 goes and says, By performing Samyama on the navel circle, Nabhi Chakra in Sanskrit, which tells us you all know what that is, complete knowledge of the body system is gained. Here is the center of the body system, the navel chakra, the Nabhi Chakra. This is a complete refutation of the naive people who believe that the third chakra is in the solar plexus. It isn't. It's Nabhi chakra. It's the belly button. And funny enough, uh, Patanjali does not say make Samyama on the belly button. Because in some circumstances, as you are going to see later, Patanjali is tricky. He does not speak about chakras because he is not willing, it's not his job to inform people about chakras. It's not Raja Yoga. In his system of Raja Yoga, the chakras are like implicit. They are a subtle thing. So Patanjali doesn't work directly on the chakras as we do in the Tantric Yoga. But here, he kind of has a slip of tongue. He kind of pulls the curtain a little bit and allows you to see it. And he says, by making some yama on the belly button wheel, oops, uh, you are going to get this and that. I hope you realize you can focus on the belly button until you turn blue. But what will happen actually is that you will get in Manipura. It's a Samyama on Manipura. But starting, if you want, from its physical support. All those of you who have learned Nabhi Asana in this school have received a lecture which told you how frantic the yogis are about the importance of the belly button, how powerful that is from the standpoint of classical yoga. And therefore, even physically, the belly button is considered to be the focus of manifestation of some very important energies which define the health and the well-being of the whole body. And if physically the belly button is broken or moved or displaced or something, then you can have all kinds of trouble, all kinds of troubles can be there just because of a physical damage 
at the level of the belly button, which physically is zero. It's like people believe that the belly button has no importance from the standpoint of the economy of the body. And yet, energetically, the belly button is like the rad radiation point, is like the radiant center from where all the knowledge and the well-being of the human being irradiates, of the human body. Actually, yoga, in many of its texts, says clearly, most of the nadis, most of the energy channels of the human being are irradiating starting from the belly button. It's like the belly button is the origin of the, of the nadi system. It is true that some theories in yoga say that a part of this is also related to kanda, which is lower than Manipura chakra. So it's like both kanda and Manipura have a very important part to play in uh, being the root of the Nadi system of the human being. And now back to our story. Patanjali says, if you manage to focus on this, because it's like the belly button is the embryo, the center of the embryo. It's like your embryo was centered on the umbilical cord which, 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 with which you are related to your mother. And this center remains there. It's like the belly button is the center of your being. Uh, all the theories about hara, the way how the Japanese samurai, they stabbed their hara to commit the ritual suicide, the harakiri or the seppuku, and all kinds of other observations, such as the modern science, which has observed that in the belly, around the belly button, you have more nerve cells, neurons, than in your spine. Actually, you have more neurons in your belly than you have in the whole spine. And the spine is considered to be the central nervous system, the axis of the being. But there are more neurons in the belly, around uh, the belly button. And therefore, it's like a very important center is, of course, at the belly button. And uh, that is not just a physical thing. It's very much an energy. And now Patanjali comes and says, if you center on the belly button and you perform some yama, you are going to be like in the sun and understand everything generated from the sun. You are like going to be in the pole star or in the center of the galaxy and understand everything there. It's like you stand in the center. You stand in the middle and from there you can see everything because that's the point of creation. That's like the center of a flower from where the flower blossoms. And therefore, Patanjali says, if you do some yama on the belly button, and of course on Manipura Chakra, on the energy center which is related to it, as he says here, let me reproduce exactly, the complete knowledge of the body system is gained. This is the ultimate medical science, which simply says, in, first of all, let's take it in simplified terms, the stronger your Manipura Chakra is, the better of a doctor you are, and the better you understand the system, the human system. In my life I have often tried to observe this, and I have looked at various doctors who had authority for being miracle doctors. I'm talking about regular medical doctors, and one thing was obvious all the time. I haven't seen ever one of them which did not have a huge manipura and an extraordinary self-confidence and sometimes even arrogance and all kind of other defects resulting from this arousing. All of them were super manipura type of people. I have met doctors who were surgeons and doctors who were osteopaths, like the man who taught me chiropractic. I have met doctors who were ophthalmologists and doctors who were God knows what, dietitians, dietitians or something. All of them had very good Manipura Chakra. Either they were surgeons or homeopaths, either they were this or that, they had good, excellent Manipura Chakra. Therefore, remember this, because people who spontaneously have a good Manipura Chakra, especially the harmonious type, which will result from Samyama. Samyama will eventually harmonize your Manipura because it will bring you to the perfect condition. Automatically have an uncanny understanding of the human body. That is why if you know that you have such a strong Manipura, it means that one of your vocations in this life 
is to become healers. You have a very good power to be healers because you understand the body and not just healers the new age way, in a fluffy way. Healers, hands on, hands on. You can be chiropractors, you can be masseurs, you can go and study medical science, you can be homeopathists, you can become nutritionists. You are people who understand the human body. I have uh, researched in my life and I have also seen alternative healers, some of them being very powerful, some of the most powerful clairvoyants and energy healers which I have seen in my life and who are not bogus, because I have met also many who are just hoaxes, fake, hysterics or crooks, but among those whom I met and who were the real thing, they had an excellent Manipura, a strong self-confidence, assertive Manipura, a real bold type of Manipura. Many people have even described the psychological connotation. They have said, this doctor, when he looks at you, you feel that you want to get healthy just to please him. It's like, you get healthy only when the doctor looks at you, because he has so much Manipura, he could give you, he could give you a pill made of distillated water. It wouldn't matter, it's a placebo. It's just the Manipura that you, this person is so powerful, so centrifugal from Manipura, that actually you sub submit, surrender, and you accept this impulse of being healed. That is why any one of you here in this room, and any one of you who listens to this, if you ever have expectations of becoming strong in healing and helping people in this, remember, Samyama on Manipura Chakra is the name of the game. Samyama on the belly button is the name of the game. With Samyama on the belly button, you obtain all kinds of paranormal effects. For example, this Filipino hand healers, besides some miraculous aspects, some of the things which they do, these people who appear to insert the hand and extract parts of your body and operate with bare hands, it's again Manipura. This kind of energy is again Manipura. It's a city, it's a power related to Manipura. And therefore, remember that either you want to do chiropractic or Filipino healing, or counseling, or homeopathy, or whatever you want to do, Samyama on the belly button is what makes you understand it. Great doctors, like if we say that Hippocrates is the father of medicine, this would say automatically that if we had a photo of a, or a statue of Hippocrates, we'd most probably see that this guy had an incredible Manipura, because you cannot become the father of medicine without a huge Manipura. Charaka, the author of Charaka Samhita, or Sushruta, the author of Sushruta Samhita in Ayurvedic medicine, they must have been very Manipura powerful people, because this is how you become the source of a whole medical system which lasts for centuries and even thousands of years. All these people, Bernard Jensen with his iris diagnose, all these people who do intestinal flushes and cleanses, all the people who invent systems like Dr. Kellogg and all his crazy stuff, or the people who come with fasting like Suvorin and others, people who invent things like such as the Sitzbad, or Dr. Kune and his water treatments, and all the crazy people who come up with all kinds of medical systems, this is Manipura. These are people who have a very powerful, but it's not just the Manipura of a uh, warlord. It is the Manipura of a person who has gone deeper. It's a deep Manipura, the result of a Samyama, which gives a kind of spontaneous intuition. The people on Manipura, they can feel immediately. I still remember when I was young that one of my aunts suddenly got seized by a mysterious crisis. She got carried to the hospital in agony. Three different doctors gave three different diagnoses, and the next of course, they were all puzzled, and then they had to ask for the chief, for the big boss of that hospital, the expert in that field, to come by. And this guy came by special request, and this woman was lying on a table, and in the moment when he entered the room, he just went straight and put his hand in one place on her, and he said she has stones in her gallbladder, put her on the surgery table, 
right this minute. And indeed, they opened her, and she had stones in her gallbladder. This guy could see it like he didn't need more than five seconds and just a touch of the hand. This is Manipura. This is the kind of Manipura which Patanjali alludes at. When you have this kind of Manipura, it's like you see. I met people in medical profession or alternative who had such an intuition because of this Manipura that they almost had like a form of clairvoyance. They, could, they simply had like a clairvoyance. They like would see what was wrong and they could like have a kind of x-ray in their system. I once heard a story about a little girl. This little girl had the capacity that she could see through the human body as with an x-ray machine as with a tomograph. <clears throat> she simply witnessed to the fact that for her the human body was like made of glass. The doctors took her to the hospital and they checked her. And this girl could see inside the human body as if the human body was made of glass without any instrument or x-ray or anything like this. This kind of capacity is coming from Manipura and this is the Samyama of the belly button about which Patanjali talks. This is therefore very important to understand. If you do Samyama on Manipura on the belly button starting with even physically here, starting from this point and then going to the levels and levels, you are going to become very powerful physically yourself, you will understand how to heal yourself. People who have this kind of manipura, they get some accident and three days later they are healthy and they are walking already. It's like you are unbreakable. I give in the first month course the example of Rasputin who was performing one and a half hours prataka every day and who was having a very strong manipura. And therefore, the Manipura will make you very strong, it will make you heal yourself very powerfully, and then the Manipura like this from such, such Samyama, it will generate a knowledge of the human system, which will make you very good also in understanding and healing other people. As an exemplification of the results which have come from this, let us say that if you have such a powerful manipura, even the sexual continence in Tantra for men becomes a joke. You can do it very easily. If you do this Samyama on manipura, you will understand exactly how exactly it happens and you will be able to stop it at will. That is why men who develop sexual confidence in Tantra, automatically they strengthen their Manipura Chakra. Women who have a very powerful Manipura Chakra, they can move the muscles of their vagina. They have the capacity to contract and control their body extraordinarily, starting from elementary entertainment things such as belly dancing and Indian dance, and acrobatic dance and martial arts and things like this and finishing with things such as control over the muscles and mechanisms of the body and therefore be able to deal with these things in a different way. That's why the range of application is not only knowledge of the body, not only healing, but all kinds of other things such as even the martial art proudness is coming from there. The martial artist insists that you have to do Samyama, they don't call it Samyama, they just call it concentration on Hara. Focus on Manipura Chakra and you are going to get nimble, precise, not to mention a lot of healing abilities and all the other things. That is why I hope you understand fully the implication of this gigantic statement that Samyama on the belly button chakra is actually giving complete knowledge of the body system. Complete knowledge of the body system does not mean only theoretical intellectual knowledge because the yogis don't call that knowledge. The yogis call knowledge the things which you can do, the things which you feel and which you can do, and therefore Samyama at the level of Manipura chakra 
is very powerful if you start from the belly button itself. Therefore, this is a typical concentration in yoga to do some yama on the belly button. And as you remember, that has something to do also with the samyama described earlier for acquiring the state of invisibility, which also has something to do with Manipura Chakra, but not as physical as that, as the belly button. That was more like a samyama on the tan matra of sight, of the subtle element of sight, so therefore it meant more subtle levels of Manipura Chakra. This one starts from the most gross level of Manipura Chakra, the belly button itself. <laughs> Enough of this, I cannot shout anymore if you like. We have described a few samyamas, we'll stop here, but not before performing. A little bit of meditation on Ajna Chakra, so you can also absorb the meanings tonight. As you can see, these sutras are very alive and very practical.